All right, well, good afternoon, Seaside. My name is John Michael Becker, and uh, it's been a few months since I last came here to speak. Please don't mistake me with uh, Pastor John Newfeld. He's the other white guy, uh, and he preached a few weeks ago on Be Extravagant in Worship. Uh, but I'm uh, not on staff of the church. I'm a lay pastor, uh, so I serve more as a volunteer leader uh, here in the house. I've been in Seoul for almost seven years now, uh, leading an orphanage ministry there and serving in an orphanage. And my wife, Skye, and I, uh, we serve as, you can wave, babe, uh, we serve as healing and deliverance pastors uh, here at New Philadelphia Church at Itaewon Hillside, and we're hoping to bring that ministry more and more uh, here to Seaside. So it's a privilege for us to be here, and you guys will be seeing me again in three weeks. Uh, I should be back here in three weeks. There's going to be a bike-a-thon where a number of bikers are raising funds for charity. They're biking from Seoul down to Pusan, and they're raising funds for awareness of sex trafficking uh, in Korea. And so they'll be doing that all week. They'll arrive here uh, in three weeks on the last Saturday of August. I think it's the 25th. And they'll be showing the movie Nefarious at Hosanna Church. It'll be a Saturday night. Uh, I want to encourage all of you guys to come out and attend it. If you can, Nefarious is a movie about sex trafficking uh, and human trafficking around the world. It's a very good documentary for you guys to watch. It's really well made. Uh, and then all the funds that they're going to be raising for this, uh, 45% or, or about half of it is going to go towards a sex trafficking, uh, a group that fights sex trafficking in Seoul. Hope be restored with Onori Church in Seoul. And then uh, the other portion will be going to our orphanage ministry for college scholarships for orphans uh, who want to go to university. A lot of the orphans who want to go to university uh, who don't have any family connections, it's very hard for them. They have to get side jobs, and uh, the side jobs tend to be at bars or at clubs, and those are places where they're easily lulled into easy money. Uh, sex trafficking, it's not easy money at all, but they're told it is. And so a lot of them fall into that. But with these scholarships and mentoring program that our ministry is setting up, uh, we're hoping to rescue a lot of these kids out of it and enable them to achieve their dreams. So uh, that's just a little announcement about what's going to be happening in a few weeks. So uh, I think Pastor Caleb and Pastor Mina will, might, probably will be announcing that the next couple Sundays. And if you guys can go out and see Nefarious on August 25th, I want to encourage you guys to do so. Uh, before I get into the message, I just want to share with you guys, uh, I was here the last time you guys started service at Sea Robbers Boss. I, I preached the first message there as well. And uh, I know it's hard to be moving. Some of you guys, this might be your first Sunday, but for those who've been moving, it can be difficult and discouraging. But as we were praying, I just felt on my heart uh, about how God blessed David's wanderings in 1 Samuel and how David wandered and he was obeying God. He was on the run. Uh, but it says in 2 Samuel also says in 1 Chronicles that day after day, um, um, men came and joined David until he had a mighty army. And so even though David was on the run, people found him. And so even though Seaside's moving around, people are going to find this place. And God's rising up a mighty army uh, here in this place. So just know as you're walking with him, God's going to bless you. All right, so today uh, I was encouraged by Pastor Caleb Munich to go along with uh, the theme that they've been preaching on. It's the core values of the church. And so I'm going to be preaching on the sixth core value of New Philadelphia Church. And that is roll with the punches, roll with the punches. So this is going to be a fun message. Uh, but before I get into that, I want us to review the five core values that you guys have heard. And so I'm going to say it and then you guys can repeat after me. So number one is be extravagant in worship. Be extravagant in worship. Number two is freedom is for everyone. Freedom is for 
Number three is father the fatherless. Father the fatherless. Number four is be faithful in the small things. Number five is the anointing flows from the top down. All right, and today it is Roll With The Punches. And uh, I've been paying attention to the podcasts and the sermons from Seaside. I've noticed that they've been creative with their titles. So uh, the title for today is not Roll With The Punches, but it's Rolling With The Spirit. (laughs) And uh, usually my ideas don't go that well for sermons. So this is my wife's idea. Rolling with the Spirit, she wanted to make sure you guys know that Roland does not have a G. It has an apostrophe. So, uh, guys, go ahead and, and uh, write that down. And as you listen, you'll understand why this sermon is titled that way, Roland with the Spirit. But Roll with the Punches, if you guys are wondering what it is, it's an English idiom, and it comes from boxing. And when boxers fight, uh, oftentimes they'll have different moves. you got the one-two punch, okay, you got one-two-three, uh, you have different ways of attacking. And to roll with the punches means it's a way of moving so that when you're hit, and you do get hit in boxing, when you're hit, you experience minimal pain. And so you roll with it, one, two, three, and you set yourself up for a counterattack. Okay? And I want to make it clear, oftentimes roll the punches is thought of as negatively. Just roll with the punches. Just roll with the punches. But the truth is, is rolling with the punches is setting you up for a counterattack. Okay, and oftentimes in life, we'll, Satan will start to hit us with different blows, okay, and we, we got to start to dodge, and we're like, why are we going through this hardship? Why are we going through these different things? But God's actually setting you up for a counterattack. He's setting you up. And our core value, roll with the punches, is important because in a lot of churches, people don't know how to roll with the punches, and they're kind of set in their ways. And so when Satan attacks them, it's just bam, 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 and they fall down, okay? But if you are moving with the Holy Spirit, you know that his spirit is fluid. It's moving, okay? And you got to move with him. you got to glide with him. And as you do that, Satan's attacks are minimal. He sets you up, and you experience great victory for the kingdom of God. So roll with the punches to cope with and withstand adversity to be flexible. These are different dictionary definitions for this idiom. To cope with and withstand adversity to be flexible biggest thing I want you guys to understand is that it's setting you up for a counterattack. And New Philadelphia Church is a community. As you get involved, you will learn that we are not a family that tolerates complaining, that tolerates bad attitude. Uh, We're not into that at all. God calls us to be joyful always, so we are joyful always. Okay, (laughs) even when we got to move sanctuary to sanctuary to sanctuary, even when all these different things are happening among our family, among our job, among different areas. Why? Because we know God is setting us up for the counterattack. God is setting us up for something greater. And that's why I titled today, Rolling with the Spirit. Because as I'm going to preach today, you're going to find that those who learn how to roll with the punches soon realize they're actually moving with the Spirit the whole time. And God is setting them up for something great. God works all things for the good of those who love him, whom he's called for his purpose. So even when you experience hardship and struggle in your life, and you feel like you're getting knocked around by the enemy... God's setting you up to, to hit his jaw hard, all right, and knock him out. Roll with the punches. Uh, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 9. Where do we see this in the Bible? Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, just pull out your smartphone. But I do want to encourage you guys to bring your physical Bible uh, if you can. Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17. This is kind of an odd 
uh, portion of scripture, but I'll explain it to you guys. I didn't understand this portion of scripture for many years, but now it's become very powerful in my life. Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking and he says, No one puts on a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. What is going on here? All right, if you guys know, old clothes, you got some old jeans, you put some new cloth on there and everything, it will likely tear in time. Because that new cloth and this old cloth, it, it doesn't mix well. It doesn't work. The old cloth is rigid. It's inflexible. Same with uh, new wineskins and old wineskins. You have an old wineskin that's used a lot of different wine. You put new wine in it that needs to ferment. Okay, they won't mix well, and the wineskins will actually burst. And if you read the scripture, wine is often talked about his spirit, okay, the spirit of God and the new wine. Jesus has come to bring us new wine, something new, and he warns us, don't have an old wineskin. That means don't let the temple of your Holy Spirit reject what God is doing in your life. You see, a lot of Christians, what they struggle with is getting caught up in traditions, getting caught up in rules, getting caught up in ways of doing church in ways of doing life. And they'll take the Bible and they'll get revelation and it's great, but they'll hold to that revelation the rest of their life, the rest of their children's life, the rest of their grandchildren's life. And it's not the way God calls us to live. You see, in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, there's two words for the word of God uh, in the Greek. One is logos, and that refers to the Bible, the written word of God, logos. The other is rhema, and that refers to the spoken word of God. So I think you guys are all familiar when Jesus spoke and said, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. I think you guys have heard that verse before. And he is not saying man does not live by bread alone, but on every word, logos, written word. He doesn't say that. He says by every word, rhema, that comes from the mouth of the Father. That means we don't live solely by this. Okay, we live by the breath of his spirit and his spirit breathes upon this. And there are new revelations every day. The words of his spirit will never contradict the word of God. This is why the Bible is so important. But there are fresh revelations. There are new things he wants to speak to us. And if we have an old wineskin like the Pharisees did in the New Testament, we're not going to be ready for these new things God wants to do in our life. God is doing a new thing. That's why our church is called New Philadelphia. New as in God is doing a new thing. And we have to be ready for it. God's never left us to live just by the Bible and nothing else. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, the Bible is just a book with words in it. It's just a textbook. But with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you are hearing the word of God. The word from God upon the throne. So let's think about biblical examples of people in the Bible who had to roll with the punches. And one of the easiest examples is Joseph and Mary. I think most people, non-Christians, even know about this story. Joseph and Mary were the parents of Jesus Christ. You're talking about roll of the punches. They rolled with the punches. Okay, Mary, she's a virgin. She's a fiancé to, to Joseph. They're supposed to get married. And an angel appears and says, look, uh, you're going to have a baby supernaturally. He's going to be the savior of the world. Okay, now, if she had an old wine skin, I think she would have gone nuts. Okay, uh, but she was obedient to God. She was trusting in God, and she said, okay, even if I have a baby outside of marriage and I get scorned by all men, I will trust in you. So Joseph, now if he had lived by tradition, 
And by the Old Testament, he would have had Mary stoned, okay, because she had had adultery. All right, now she could say, oh, but the Savior of the world is within me. But, I mean, how, is, how often does that excuse work, all right? Uh, and so he would have had her stoned. But we read in Scripture he was a righteous man, as in he was a man after God's own heart. And rather than having her stoned, it said he was going to divorce her quietly. But then we read an angel appears to Joseph and, and explains to him, Mary was actually telling the truth. She actually does have God in her womb, okay? And I want you to marry her, but not sleep with her until she has Jesus. And he obeys. And he follows through, and you can just imagine how hard that had to have been for them. Because there aren't other people with that testimony. You know, I too had the Savior of the world. You know, just, just trust in God, and, and he'll, you know, they were the only ones ever to have this testimony. Yet they rolled with the punches. And then they go to Bethlehem, the census. He has to go to his hometown, Bethlehem. And they arrive there, and you're thinking, uh, Joseph's probably thinking, all right, Savior of the world, we're going to get five-star hotel. You know, glory to glory. God's going to give us the best. We, we have the favor of God upon us. And they get there, and there's no room anywhere in his hometown. And so they have to stay in the inn. You're talking about roll of the punches, hardship. Okay, this is the Savior of the world. What's going on? But they rolled with it. And we don't read about any complaint. And it didn't stop. They have the baby, and then an angel appears and says, now you've got to go to Egypt. You can't stay in Israel, or else the king's going to kill you and your child. So go to Egypt, go to the land with another culture, another language, another religion, and live there for a few years. And so Joseph obeys. He rolls with the punches, and he goes. And then he's coming back. Finally, God gives him a release and says, you can come back to your home country. And he comes back, and we read again. The angel says, you can't go back to where you once lived, uh, or they'll kill you. You have to go somewhere else. And so they go to Galilee, and he's raised in Nazareth. Rolling with the punches. So often we think in our life that if I got a clear call from God on my life, it's going to be easy. Okay? And God's just going to line it up. Why? Because it's a crazy call. We're going to have the Savior of the world. Oh, man, God's going to just red carpet. This is going to be easy. Everything's going to be provided for because this is such an amazing calling. But the truth is, is the higher the calling for people, the more they had to roll with the Spirit. The more they had to roll with the punches. The more Satan was trying to take them out. You see, if life is easy, that means Satan's not threatened by you. He's not going to pick up his gloves and try and attack you. But if you've got a calling on your life, if you're walking in obedience to him, he's going to get threatened by you, and he's going to try and attack you. But God will always provide a way out. Not only will he provide a way out, he's setting you up for a counterattack. Jesus knocked Satan out. Okay, If Joseph and Mary hadn't obeyed, then they would have never had that counterattack. But because they obeyed, they saw the deliverance of all mankind. That's powerful. All right. And so often we, we as Christians live under that lie that because God called me to this, it should be easy. And that is a complete lie. Rather, because God called me into this, God will provide. He will take care of this. And even when the odds seem against me, I'm going to see him move in a powerful way. You see, God loves faith. God loves faith. He doesn't like it when we trust in traditions. So many Christians would rather put their trust in words and methods, this is how we evangelize, and this is how we do church service, okay? And put their faith in that, that that's going to bring out the people, and that's going to save the world, rather than putting their faith in God himself. It's God that does the work. And so God wants us to learn to rely on his spirit. And when we do that, then he can do amazing things in our life. Because our faith is in him, it's not in methods. Roll with the punches. Roll with his spirit. We have to dream big, and we have to learn how to adapt. 
If God's going to do something mighty in our life, then we got to know there's going to be a lot of moves with this spirit. But we just got to know he's setting us up for bigger counterattacks. He's setting up, uh, setting us up for greater things. Roll with the punches. Another example is Abraham, one of the greatest men who ever lived. Abraham. He rolled with the punches. God shows up. He's living in a foreign land. He doesn't even know God. God shows up to him and says, I am God of all. I'm God over all creation. I am the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're going to obey me, and I'm sending you into the land of Canaan, a land that Abraham did not know, and it's, I'm going to promise you this land, and your, your, um, your children, your seed, they're going to just become mighty people across the earth. And Abraham obeys, and he leaves his family, and he just walks with God, and he walks with God, and he waits, and he walks with God, and he waits. He became what was known as a Hebrew. Hebrew uh, in Hebrew language means pilgrim or wanderer. That was the life of Abraham. That was the life of his son, Isaac. That was the life of his grandson, Jacob. They were wanderers, and yet God delighted in them. We think, all right, God has a plan for our life. It's going to be clear. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this, and it's going to be amazing. But actually, what God really delights in is when people move with the Spirit, and people go. And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were the greatest examples of people obedient to God, whom God delighted in, and whom God did amazing things and changed the world through these three men. So Abraham, he wandered, he obeyed God, God promised him a son. Son didn't come until he was uh, crazy age. He was really old. I can't remember the exact age, but he was old, okay? And, uh, and then Abraham really had to roll with the punches. Because God shows up and says, all right, you've had your son Isaac, now I want you to circumcise him and yourself and your whole household. Abraham, I believe at this time, was 100 years old. He had to roll with the punches. He had to circumcise himself. I don't think there's any example in the Bible that's greater than that, okay? I know he had to kill his son, but, uh, I mean, circumcise yourself at 100 years old. I can't imagine, all right? They couldn't knock him out. He couldn't, you know, go under or anything like that. Uh, So Abraham obeyed, though. And God blessed him. And I'm sure he thought at that point, okay, I've done everything I need to do. My life is over. It's great. Okay, God's done wonderful things. But then God wakes him up in a dream and says, guess what? I want you to go and take that son whom I promised to you. Take him up to that mountain. And I want you to kill him. Sacrifice him to me. All right, now that's crazy. All right, that's just, you know, that's nuts. But Abraham obeyed. He rolled with the punches. And scripture says that he believed he had such a faith in God that he believed God would raise Isaac from the dead. It says that in Hebrews 11. It says, Abraham's faith was so great in God that he knew that even if he had to kill his son, God would raise him from the dead. It was actually a picture of what would happen with Jesus Christ. Okay, Abraham as the father, Isaac as the son. God is the father, Jesus is the son. This is one of the greatest prophecies of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. So he takes him up, up there and rise about, he's about to kill his son, Isaac. God speaks and says, don't do it. All right, now, a lot of Christians, because they had heard the word of God, they're just going through with it. All right, God speak, I heard it clear, and they would kill their son. You know, but Abraham was in tune with the spirit. He was paying attention, okay? And so when he heard God's voice, and, and God's voice, seemed, it changed. God's, God's mind changed. Does God do that? It happened, okay? He obeyed. He didn't kill his son Isaac, and God blessed Abraham uh, dramatically. So a lesson from this is that we must value God's voice more than yesterday's word. We must value God's voice more than yesterday's word. 
Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Every spoken word, the voice of God is how we live. It's how we live. I want you guys to turn to John chapter 3, verse 8. This is one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible, and it applies to this message today. John 3, 8. Can we actually turn off this AC? That's right on me. John 3, 8. It says, Jesus Jesus speaking. He's speaking to uh, Nicodemus. He says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me read that again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. If you are truly born of God's Spirit, if you are living in full obedience to Him, your life is not going to be easily traceable. It's not going to be a life where it's, oh, this is where he is, this is where he's going, and that's where he's ending. But rather, if you live truly by his spirit, 100%, God's going to take you for a ride. And that it doesn't mean that you have to go to foreign countries and all these things, but it means that some of your life decisions are going to seem odd to the rest of the world. Some of the things that you're going to choose to do in life because you're led by the Lord, are, it's just going to seem foolishness to the world. But the truth is, is you're not of this world. Your trust is not in the methods of this world. Your trust is in God. Your trust is not in your education. It's not in your family name. It's not in your culture. It's not in your job. Your trust is in God. And when that happens, he's able to take you up for a ride. He's able to take you on an adventure. He's able to make your life a life that people want to read about, that they want to see what what happened to you. What did you do? Oh, my gosh. And they look at your testimonies, and they're blown away. That's what God wants to do in your life. And he wants to do this for your lifetime. So many young people, including myself, we want it now. We're the microwave generation, okay? We're the fast food generation. We want it and we want it now. God, what's, what you're calling for my life? I want it now. I want to do it all in three years, okay? No, God doesn't work that way. Only for Jesus, okay? Jesus did it all in three years, but he lived 30 years until that even started. But for everyone else, it's lifetime. It's lifetime. And it tends, it's growing, walking up a mountain. And that means the more you obey with him, the more you move with his spirit, the more he's going to lift you up, the closer you're going to be with him, the greater the revelations, the greater the anointing. And that means you're, the power of God in your life should be greatest when you're about to die. Because you're at the highest point of the mountain at that point. If you're walking with his spirit, if you're rolling with his spirit, you're going to be so close to him. God's going to do amazing things. So many people, when hardship hits them, they look to the world's methods. They look to the world's ways. All right, how do I combat this? How do I, you know, do I sue these people? Do I, you know, go to this grad school then to, to cancel this out? Or, or do I, you know, change here? And they look to worldly methods. And we need wisdom in, in discerning, okay, what are our options? But if we're not looking to God in this, how can God bless our lives? We're just going the worldly way. And so whatever happens, you can just you can either consider it chance or even God not blessing you because he wants you to live by faith. It's when we present everything to the Lord and listen to his voice and we're led by him. He blesses us and the decisions that we make is ridiculous. He sets us up for great things. Uh, I'll tell you guys a brief testimony. Uh, When I was a third year in college, when I was a sophomore, I'm sorry, in college, I knew I was an engineer 
And uh, I knew I, God was setting me up for an internship in my third year. I could just feel it in my spirit. I was supposed to do an internship, and that was also wise counsel I'd gotten by many people. Take a semester off, get work experience. But then the wise counsel they'd also given me was that you need something on your resume. So this summer, you need to work for free at some engineering corporation so you can get something on your resume so that when companies look at your resume, they'll know you have some qualifications and they'll give you the internship. That's wise counsel. So I thought, okay. But then God kind of just threw me for the loop and put this mission opportunity before me to Korea. I'd never done missions in my life. I didn't know where Korea was uh, on the map. I knew it was somewhere in Asia, but uh, I didn't know where it was. And uh, I wasn't sure. It was teaching English at a mission camp. And uh, I was like, no, God, I need, a, I need an internship. You know, I need, I need experience. And I prayed about it. And God confirmed to me, uh, you need to go on missions. And he confirmed to me also through a close friend that I trusted. And so I said, all right, God, well, you're in control. I'm just going to trust in you. And I obeyed. And uh, I did the mission trip. I came back. I applied for all these different companies. I didn't hear back from anyone. And then suddenly I got a phone call. And it was a phone interview, and they did it on the spot. I was so, like, caught off. It was an Indian guy, too, so I thought it was a credit card company. And I was speaking really mean to him, like, you know, uh, what do you want? You know, and they're like, oh, we're from Infineon Technologies. And like, oh, and, uh, and uh, it went well. And then the next day, they did a follow-up interview. It was a manager. And, um, and he said, you know, you want to know what, how you stood out to everyone else? I was looking through all these resumes, and what I found out was all the interns for this company, they all had four O's from top universities, okay? Uh, much better engineering schools than Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech's a good one, uh, but these were very high uh, universities, and I didn't have a 4.0. okay? I had an okay GPA, but compared to these brainiacs, uh, not good enough. But he said, I was looking through your resume, and I saw that you had international experience, and um, that really stood out to me. Uh, tell me about that. And I told him I taught English to you know, these kids. Da, da, da. He said, well, if you can do that, then you can work with the people in our company. <laughs> and, uh, and so he hired me, and I got a great internship. And that's, walking, that's moving with the spirit. If I had gone the world's ways, I don't think I'd ever gotten that internship. Okay, maybe I got in a lesser internship, and, and the experiences I got in Korea... Look where I'm living the past seven years. I didn't even know where Korea was 10 years ago when I did that missions trip. Uh, and yet here I am, living in Korea. And, uh, and with God giving me a vision for North Korea. It's amazing. You move with his spirit, you obey him, he takes you for a ride. He takes you for an adventure and he opens doors. He sets you before kings. He sets you before kings. So uh, let me give one more example. And uh, then I'm going to share some points. Uh, the life of Paul. He's just another example in Scripture of someone who rolled with the punches. And he really rolled with the punches. Paul was raised with traditions. He was raised with methods. He thought he knew the way. And he was so adamant to the point he would persecute anyone who had views different from him. And then Jesus showed up in his life and blinded him. And you talk about rolling with the punches. Okay, Paul had to learn to roll with the punches. He had to learn to shift everything in his life. And as he did that, he said, God, my life is yours. I'll go wherever you want to go, want me to go. And his life is one of the most dangerous to look at because it's tough. Okay, he was in prison numerous times. He was whipped numerous times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked numerous times. Uh, he went through crazy stuff in his life. But he, he writes and he says, I count it all joy. I count it all glory 
the life that I went through because he knew he was moving with the spirit every step. And there's one story in Acts 16 where he casts out a demon of a young girl and you would think everyone celebrated, but instead they were angry at him for what he did. And they cast him into, they didn't just cast him into prison, they beat him with rods, okay? And then they put him into prison and they locked him up. And these prisons aren't like the prison that Caleb was in. These were, these were very nasty places, okay? And he's in there and you would think, if, if, we, if we were in there, I'm obeying you, God. I'm going wherever you want me to go. I'm doing your works. And I get beaten for this. And I get locked away. What the heck, God? You'd want to complain, right? You'd be frustrated. Where are you, God? Maybe you'd even panic. What did I do wrong, you know? And uh, instead, Paul and his companion, they just relaxed. And they worshiped God. And they said, we're just rolling with the Spirit. Yeah, we're beat up. Bleeding a bit. You know, we're hurting. But, hey, you know, he's setting us up for a counterattack. And they just worshipped. And as they worshipped, their chains were broken. And a mighty earthquake came. The doors of the prison were opened. And he was able to minister to the prison official and save him and his family. And then they were set free the next day. That is a beautiful picture in the physical of what happens in the spiritual when we roll with the spirit. When we move with him, we keep our eyes fixed on him. We don't complain. We don't moan. We don't, you know, I'm going to give it a few weeks. God spoke to me, but I don't know. You know, we don't do that. And rather, we just worship God. We fix our eyes on him. Chains are broken off of us. Lies are broken off of us. We are set free and we set free the people around us. It it doesn't just say that Paul and his companion, their chains were broken. It says everyone in the prison, their chains were broken. You walk with God. You're not just going to be set free and living in joy, but people around you are just listening to you, just watching you. They're going to get set free too. roll with the spirit, roll with the spirit, roll with the punches. All right. Before I end this message, I'm going to share three brief areas. You got to be ready to roll with the punches. And there are three M's to keep your attention. The first one is marriage. So marriage, rolling with the punches. Marriage is one of the greatest examples of how blessed we can be if we learn to roll with the punches and how miserable we can be if we don't roll with the punches. Sky and I, our anniversary uh, is in an, a week and a half. Week and a half. Not this week. It's next week. And uh, it's just been amazing. We've been loving marriage. But we've learned a lot. And uh, one of the things, we've actually, we haven't had many married couples in our church. Uh, it's just been recent. And so we got married, and within a month, Pastor Christian said, all right, you're doing premarital counseling for all the couples. <laughs> like, all right. And uh, so we became the premarital counselors uh, in the church. And when we meet with couples, one of the first things we would tell them is, uh, when you get married, what you have to understand is you die, okay? And the single you has to die. Because if you're going to bring in the single you and marry and become one with your spouse, you're basically having an affair. That makes sense? Things get very complicated, awkward, and unhealthy. When the single you who wants to live like a single, make all my own decisions, do my own thing, I'll clean when I want to, I'll eat when I want to, I'll wake up when I want to, I'll hang out with whoever I want to, I'll go wherever I want to go, you try and bring that person into marriage and you're going to have a lot of division. You're going to have a lot of hurt. Okay? And what you have to learn in marriage is you can't be a single, single husband anymore. You can't be a single wife anymore. You're now one. And so you have to talk with each other. You have to work with each other. You have to love each other. And it's powerful. You learn love like never before. I, I served in the orphanage for five and a half years. I thought I knew love. 
Okay, I served these orphans. I took care of them. I clothed them. I, I, you know, washed them. I fed them. I loved on them. I thought, man, I'm going to be a great husband. And then we got married, and I realized, man, I'm so selfish. I don't know love at all. And uh, I had to relearn it because, you know, with the kids in the orphanage, I was an authority. And so even when they gave me flack and we had a hard time, I could still set them in their place. I can't do that with Sky. That's not good, okay? We would have a very bad marriage if I tried to treat her like one of them. And with the kids, I could also take a moment. I'm just going to get a breather, okay? I'm going to go away for a little bit. I'm going to do my own thing. You don't do that in marriage, okay? You have conflict, and you're like, I want a breather. I'm leaving for a week. Uh, you know, most people get a divorce, all right? And we're not going to allow that in New Philadelphia Church. So uh, you got to learn to roll with the punches. you got to learn when... When difficulties come and conflict comes or just different things in marriage come, you just got it, okay, getting around these different things, and we're setting ourselves up not for a counterattack with each other, okay, (laughs) but with the enemy that's trying to divide you. And you learn love. You learn sacrifice. And, uh, I mean, I have a lot of examples for this, but I'll just share writing this sermon. Uh, I take sermon prep very seriously. Uh, I want to give you guys a good word. Okay, and to give a good word doesn't mean just showing up and blah, blah, blah. It means taking time in my room alone and reading the word and writing it out. Okay, so I'm ready to speak to you guys. So I try and give myself a good chunk of time. And so I set that aside. Uh, I think it was Thursday night. We were supposed to come here on Friday. We'd have no time to work on it. And so we set aside all this time, and then something happened, and we needed to have a long talk, Sky and I. And... uh, it became longer and longer, and I kept looking at the clock, thinking oh, that's another uh, hour lost of sermon prep, and, and thinking, you know, what do I do? And I just knew, okay, if I'm like Sky, this can wait. I'm going to go work on a sermon for the glory of God and leave. You guys might get a sermon, but I would have an unhappy wife, and God wouldn't bless this. Because God says, honor your wife, and he'll hear your prayers. Honor your wife. And he'll bless you. Because God values love more than he values works. Okay? He values oneness more than he values you doing your own selfish thing. And so I had to roll with the punches. I just had to, okay, we're going to work through this. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to be flexible. And I'm going to trust God's going to give me a work. And he did. Okay? I stayed up a little later, but not that much later. God was gracious. Okay? And we're very happy. All right? And that's, that's so good. So in marriage, you've got to learn to roll with the punches. And if you're inflexible now, you're going to be miserable when you get married. Okay? You've got to learn to be flexible now. You've got to learn how to you know, just give up different things, how to be ready to adjust with different things, how to adapt. Because opposites tend to attract. And when you are in the dating phase, you tend to really like those opposites and the other person. But then when you're living with those opposites day after day, you've got to roll with the punches. Okay, and as you roll with the punches, as you get over yourself and you get over your own desires and you learn to be one, then you experience a greater joy than you ever had when you were single. Marriage life is great, but if you can't roll the punches, it's miserable. All right, you got to learn how to roll with the punches. And if you really want to know true love, have kids because that's another that's another death. Okay, now you got to lose your whole married thing. Now you got to become a father and a mother. All right, and now it's not just what do we want to do for our anniversary? Where do we want to go for our vacation? It's now where does Squirt want to go for his vacation? <laughs> you know, where are we going to go to take care of him? And uh, it's really true. You learn true love 
in marriage and then in having kids. And I hate to say it, but this is why the birth rate's gone down and marriage has gone down in Korea. Because so many people, if they don't know love, if they're selfish, they're living for themselves, what's most important? Their time and their money. Their time and their money is the most important to people who don't know love. And the sad thing is more and more people are saying, man, if I have a kid that's so much money, so much time, I'd rather just get married. Or if I get married, that means that, man, I can't you know, go do my own thing every weekend. That I can't live for my own dreams and travel the world on my, you know, on my own. Or just you know, some lame excuses. It's selfish. Okay? They're more concerned about time and money than they are about love. Marriage and having kids is one of the greatest examples of God's love. And so I want to encourage you guys. You want to marry? You want to have kids learn to roll with the punches, learn to roll with the spirit? It's not something where you're going to be miserable, but rather you're going to have so much fun. Like I said, rolling with the punches tends to have a negative vibe. But actually, every time you're having to do it, God's setting you up for a counterattack. He's setting you up for something great. Marriage. Number two is missions. You do missions with New Philly, you will learn to roll with the punches. You will learn very quickly to roll with the punches. And I know Seaside wasn't able to do summer missions uh, this time around, but hopefully you guys will be able to do it soon. And uh, it's powerful. So this past summer, we sent teams to Myanmar, Thailand, Indonesia, Japan, and Australia. And all those teams, except for Australia, likely endured some different hardships, some different things that they had to go through. And you got to learn to roll with the punches. When uh, my wife and I, we led a team to Nepal earlier this year. We, it was the dead of winter, and we were set up in a, a hotel that had no electricity, uh, no hot water, and no insulation. And Nepal, during the day, it's, it's, it's warm enough because of the sun that you can just wear a light jacket and you're okay. But at night, we would have to double layer and wear our winter jacket with all our blankets, and we would still be shivering. And then we'd have to heat you know, water on the stove and, and dump it. And, I mean, you, you didn't want to shower because you'd be, like, shivering so much. You'd just, like, wash your hair. And we got pretty gross uh, during, during that trip. And uh, we went through a lot of other things. They would say, oh, you know, be here at 7 a.m., be outside at 7 a.m., we'll pick you up, and they would show up at 9 a.m. And we began to learn Nepal time. Whenever they say anything, it's at least an hour later. And they were very, like, you know, casual about it. Like, oh, yeah, we're always late, you know. <laughs> da, da, da. Church is at 2.30. Yeah, right, you know. It's at 3.30, maybe 4. And uh, so we had to learn how to roll with the punches and adjust. And if we were so stuck in our rigid ways of this is the way we do ministry and, hey, you guys told us this schedule, we got to stick to this schedule, we would have been miserable. And if people had a negative attitude of, man, you know, I hate having to wash like this or I'm so tired of curry, you know, uh, (laughs) then it would have been a miserable trip. It would have been horrible. But our team knew that God is good. God is working all things for our good. It's a privilege to be here. Let's just enjoy it. And we had so much fun, and God did amazing things in Nepal. You've got to roll with the punches. All right? You've got to know you're not always going to get your way in life. You're not always going to get your way. And even if you do missions in Korea, it still it holds true. Just a week ago, Sky and I went with four others to minister at a youth retreat, a Korean youth retreat, and I was supposed to speak at 10 in the morning. We left our house at 7 in the morning. We were supposed to arrive there at 9.30. We arrived at 1 in the afternoon. Traffic was miserable. We took another road, and the toll booth was broken, so cars were just lined up like Armageddon. You know, people like getting out, like, you know, what's going on and, and stuff. And that's how it was. We got through. We finally got to the retreat center, and no one was there. And we call, and we find out we had the wrong name. 
And so we had to drive to the right retreat center. We finally get there, and, you know, they've finished lunch. They're packing up, ready to go. They're like, we want to give you an afternoon service. Now, all that time, we could have been complaining. The six-hour drive, you know, uh, we could have been complaining. But instead, we had a fun time. We fellowshiped. We laughed. You know, we bonded. We napped. Uh, it was great. And then we got there. What happened was, if I had ministered in the morning, it would have been a pocket of time because of lunch. But because I ministered in the afternoon, we ministered, okay? And it went long. And uh, I lined them up for us to pray for every youth. And our sister Mijung was over there. She just went for it. She grabbed them and prayed for like five minutes. And the next person grabbed them. And they would just start crying. And uh, these youth are just stone-faced as I was preaching and not responding in any way. When we started ministering to them, it was powerful. But if we had ministered in the morning, we wouldn't have had that time. We wouldn't have seen that breakthrough. You see, God was setting us up. We drove home. It took an hour and a half. (laughs) But, you know, God blessed our day. We had good attitudes. We were joyful in all things. We had fun. It wasn't like we were pretending to smile. This is great. You know, it wasn't anything like that. We were really enjoying it. And uh, and God blessed us. God blessed the youth. It was awesome. Missions. You got to roll with the punches. You do that. It's fun. You soon learn. Actually, I'm rolling with the spirit. God set us up for this. It's good. Marriage, missions, and the last is ministry. And uh, this is so true for New Philadelphia Church. You've already experienced it in terms of having to move different locations here at Seaside. Uh, But even in terms of ministry, how we do ministry at this church, it's changing. Okay, and a lot of people, they approach choosing their church like choosing their pizza. You know, they call up, uh, I like pepperoni, uh, sausage, pineapple, ham, uh, but no mushrooms. No mushrooms. All right, it's the same with church. You know, uh, I like short sermons, this type of community, this type of worship, contemporary worship, but no evangelism. No evangelism, you know. And they treat church like that, and they go to the church, and the moment the church starts to change, they're out of there. They're like that old wineskin. They are stuck and rigid in their ways. How can God bless that? We're taught to flow. We're taught to move with His Spirit. And so New Philadelphia Church, if you're going to be here, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. God will bless you with the grace that you need. And as you're flexible, he will bless you tremendously. You see, there are places in, the, in this world where you will find rivers. Rivers are always moving. I don't know if you guys were aware of this. Rivers don't just have the same course for thousands of years. When there is a flood, when there is a heavy rain, when there is a storm, the rivers will shift. And so people will build huge bridges over rivers. And then a flood will come. And you'll look, and the bridge is over nothing. It's just over ground. And you'll look over, and there's a river that has no bridge. Okay? But a lot of churches, they'll find something new in here, and they'll love it. Okay? And they'll build a bridge over it. And this is us. This is our beliefs. This is our method. This is the way we do ministry. We will always do evangelism. We will always do ministry this way. And then God's Spirit moves. And suddenly the church gets dry. Why is it so dry now? We know what we're doing. We had revival here. But you see, God delights in the wanderers. God delights in moving his people, in taking his people place to place, just like as they were going to the promised land. He would take them and lead them by his spirit. He delights in that. When we get stuck in a spot, our faith is more in that spot than in God. So how can God bless us? So it's the same way in ministry. We have to learn that sometimes God's going to open up things in our lives according to the Spirit or according to His Word or just ways we're called to minister that we're going to be like, no, 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 I'm not comfortable with that. I don't have a heart for that, whatever. But God's going to open up our hearts. And as He does that, as we roll with the punches, as we submit to our leaders, 
Anointing flows from the top down. Okay, as we submit to our leaders, we obey the people of our lives. God's going to pour out his spirit in even greater ways. He's going to bless us in mighty ways. It takes faith. Don't get me wrong. But in this house, you will have covering. In this house, you will have family that will encourage you through it. You'll experience positivity. you experience strength. So my last example, roll of the punches, uh, is the greatest example of all, even greater than Abraham, is Jesus. Jesus rolled with the punches. And uh, you would think, well, he knew all along what it would be like. But no, when you're in it, it's hard. This is the Jesus who was born to Joseph and Mary, who were scorned. Uh, you know, Scripture doesn't say what happened to Joseph, but Joseph likely died when Jesus was young because he's never mentioned again after he's 12 years old. And uh, so he lived with that, and then he became 30. He didn't have the training of the rabbi. So when he began to teach, people mocked him and said, Who are you? Aren't you a carpenter? Aren't you a nobody? His hometown rejected him. His family rejected him. They all mocked him for his beliefs. Okay, and then he gets these disciples, and he's feeding into them, and he knows one of them is going to betray him. Okay, and he keeps feeding into them, and then his closest buddy, he's going to deny him. And on the day that, that he's just in so much suffering, he's sharing communion with them. He's, he's about to, you know, take this bread. I give it to you, my body broken, you know, and he shares about the suffering he's going to go through. Scripture says, I think it's in Luke, that right after he shares, he pours out his heart, they begin to argue over who's the greatest. And you would think, I mean, Jesus is like, I've served you for three years, and you still don't get anything. He rolled with the punches. Jesus just kept going. All right, God is good. God works all things for, for, for my good and for their good. And he prays for them. And then he's betrayed by one of his best friends. He's mocked. He's scorned. He's whipped. He's lashed. He's stripped naked. He's put on a cross. He's spat upon. And uh, just everyone turns against him. The whole people that he came to save, the Jewish people, were the people that turned him over. But Jesus rolled with the punches. He took a lot. He took Satan's greatest attack. This wasn't a one-two. This wasn't a one-two-three. This was an onslaught. And Jesus just moved with it. He moved with it. And he ended up delivering the world. He ended up becoming the savior of this world. And God is going to bless you guys. And you can know that there is no hardship you will go through that will be greater than what Jesus endured. Jesus didn't just endure pain and shame and suffering. He endured the Father looking away. It says darkness covered the land when he was crucified. And that was signifying God looking away. And he says, Father, Father, where are you? Where are you? He endured hell for us. We might endure a lot of suffering. We might endure a lot of hardship in our life. We might endure a lot of pain, a lot of mourning. But there is always joy that will come. There's always strength. There's always the knowledge that God works all things for our good. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning. Okay, though we might be in prison for a moment, he's going to bring us before the king. Just like Joseph, just like Daniel. God's going to bless us if we will just trust in him. Let me pray for us.